The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, I'm Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, David Seberg, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Bitcoin singing the blues down 20% from its recent high on its longest losing streak since September. But blockchain capital Spencer Bogart says the crypto world is photoling the wrong coin. He will tell us where Bitcoin could go next. And later, they say diamonds are girls. I mean, traders' best friend. Tiffany is posting its best week ever, up 25%. So how much higher can it go? The traders have got some ideas. But first, we start off with the crude crush. Oil seeing its worst day in nearly a year, sending energy stocks down with it. This after a Saudi oil minister suggested they may pump more oil. So is today's decline a supply issue, or is the price action in oil sending a warning sign for the rest of the market? Maybe a, a statement on global growth, guys. A lot to, lot to sort of unpack, unpack, unpack yes. there. Thank you. For that on, a Friday, on a Friday, before ahead a long of a long weekend. What I'm here for. You know, I'm not a conspiracy. I am a conspiracy theorist. But you know, President Trump recently has been in the news, getting in trouble because you know, a lot of people blaming him for the rise in crude prices, gasoline in New York City five bucks on a Friday before Memorial Day. All of a sudden, we hear from the Saudis about them increasing supply. Sounds a little fishy, fugazi to me. I would say they backtrack next week. And in terms of what it can do to the broader market, we've all sat around here and said energy is too small to help the market go higher. So if we have in a universal accord that it's too small to help it go higher, then it stands to reason that it's too small to make it go lower. But her question was, is, is oil lower more of a, a symbol no, of, of, no, of demand? Global, no. you know, global. Well, good. Um, you know, I, what I think is I, I tend to agree with Mr. Fugazi. I, I think this was a comment that was, first of all, possibly taken out of context, possibly totally misinterpreted. Bottom line is they've got a meeting on the 22nd of June. Nothing's going to change. Watch the forward curve in, in Brent. If it stays above 60. Venezuela, as well, all the barrels being taken off the market. Okay, then. So you're at 150% compliance. Let's get back to 100% compliance and then maybe start to worry about yeah, it. But the so it's not as if people are not abiding by rules. I think there's actually as much unity within OPEC and non-OPEC as we've had possibly forever. I don't know. I mean, the Saudis a couple months ago when you had Brent crude at, Brent at 65 bucks, they telegraphed the fact when Brent got to $80 that they were going to start bringing it back online. So from my perspective, I mean, you know, not that it was, you know, super telegraphed from that standpoint, but it was talked about. It was said. It was very clear by them. So I do look at this as a supply issue. This is absolutely not a demand issue. I think it's short-lived. I look at our trading desk today and say on the equity side, we had absolutely zero interest in this. And I, and I say that's crazy. Buying. It, in, in, in selling, buying anything, it was the worst. Think about this. It was the worst commission pad on our entire desk today when news came out like this. So you look at it and say institutional communities it. do not care. <laughs> Everyone else is busy. <laughs> Thank you, Dan Nathan. Here's the thing. Um, I'll just say this. I think you may want to go back to look at 2014 and what happened there. That was the year that QE ended, okay? It was also the last time that the 10-year Treasury yield traded 3% briefly, and we were just briefly above it for about a week and a half or so. But one thing that did start to happen in 2014, the dollar started to rally. It had a 15% rally from its lows to its highs. Crude oil got cut in half, okay? And I think that's a really important point. And I know we've been talking about the Dixie, the dollar index. Well, it's up 
sneakily 7% off the recent lows. And I know you think there's a lot of resistance here at 95 or whatever, but who kind of knows, you know? I, I think well, it's really important to keep track point. of that because that was something that was a major determinant when oil well, got crushed. It literally lost 50% of its value. That well, year. so as I mentioned on Power Lunch today, I actually think as much as I believe that dollar fundamentals tell me that, in other words, the U.S. economy and the European economy, and if you look at the DXY, it's mostly a, across on the dollar euro, right? Um, it, I actually think that the economies are, are very close in terms of their growth and where they should be trading. Um, that doesn't mean that the currencies, though, aren't going to reflect a lot of uncertainty on the politics. And actually, I think what's going on in Italy doesn't go away quietly right now. I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think they're leaving the European Union. I don't think that they're actually going to you know, default on debt. But I think you could see the dollar go higher. Your point is that oil, along with, I think, total discord within OPEC and total oversupply from the U.S., which was crushing the market, overtraded to the downside. And after a big run, um, do you think energy is going to reverse on a dime and, and, and go back higher after today? No. But again, look at the forward curve in oil, and I actually think that this supply discipline is very much a different story. And we are just learning that Moody's has put the government of Italy's ratings on review for a possible downgrade amidst all of this. But let's get back to energy stocks here, Guy. Mm-hmm. What do, you, do you just trade through this? I think you do, but quickly, so just to play the other yeah. devil's advocate here with myself, I guess, but you look at the XLE, As XLE you like to do. which is, you know, if you look at the XLE, traded up to 79 or so at the end of November, early December, traded off in a significant way. We recently pushed up to that level and now seem to be failing. So the XLE in Dan Nathan's world, you can make an argument that we have this little mini double top. However, I think this is a Friday phenomenon ahead of a long weekend with Saudi headlines. Right. Not, not as much selling as just people, lack of buyers pushing away, allowed the market to go lower. I'm not, I'm not that concerned yet. Let's put it that way. Tim, we saw Chesapeake, which is a, one of the picks in your uh, stock draft. Yeah, and Dan loves to talk about the stock draft on this show. Dan, and about, and know, by the way, uh, I'm in. At one point, down 10% today. That's right. But I'm still in first place because of Chesapeake. But that, that, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'm just bringing the point because energy stocks had a terrible day today, and everyone wants to, to make a big point about it. But where you've been for the last right. you know, nine months to 12 months, they, there's no question a lot of these things were overbought. There's no question that the high beta names, like a levered EMP or a NAC gas play, is going to overreact on a day like today. Think about those as possible opportunities once the dust settles, because I actually think that that's what today was. And that's, point, that's a good point, when the dust does settle, because these things tend to overshoot to the upside, which we saw, and they will overshoot to the downside. So we could see a couple days of some weakness here. Well, energy stocks actually having their worst day in nearly four months, and there could be more pain ahead. Chartmaster Carter Braxton Worth of Cornerstone Macros over at the Plasma to break it all down. Hi, Carter. Hi there. I'm going to talk uh, quite a bit about uh, what Guy was just talking about and the authority of the 79 level and how we've approached it repeatedly. Uh, So let's go back to sort of where it got interesting. We know we had something of a head and shoulders bottom. And remember, this is December of a year ago, and this is December of the 2017 period. And what, what, of course, energy stocks did was get right to that high and back away. Now let's play the movie a little bit further. They, they come back here again. This is the level that Guy's talking about. And then they back away yet again. But the issue is this. Is this back away this time going to go all the way down again? I would say no, meaning you're likely to each time have a little bit shallower move. So this time you fail at the prior high and you give back, but you don't make a new low. This time you fail at the prior high and you give back, but you don't make it to the presumption is that crude is going to basically sit here for quite some time, but not revisit those lows. And ultimately, uh, energy and crude oil uh, both go higher. This is the XLE, of course. 
And leading up to this, we had a circumstance that's only happened one other time in the history of the data going back to 1980. Both the 10-year yield and crude oil have gone more than 160 days without coming back to their 150 moving average simultaneously. And that was March to October of 1999. That's exactly what happened leading up to this big give back in yields and uh, crude oil. Come on over, Carter. Wow. Well, you didn't even put it up to a vote. Why should I? No. I'm in charge. There we go. Thanks, Ryan, for bringing the chair in. All right, Carter. Um, Very summery look today, look by the way. Gummy really? bears. Yeah. We get everything. I'm mean, all going. Yeah, help yourself, help yourself sucker, to by the way. Tim's uh, gummy bears. Gummy bears. Thank you. So Thank the you. chart, the actually, does the chart, do the charts of other ETFs that may not be as, as heavily towards the integrated, the XOP, the OIH, do they look the same? Well, remember, drillers have lagged, and then drillers played catch-up, you have certain really sort of bombed-out names whose entire future is still in question. You know, who's, exactly. Things, properties that just aren't worth really long-term look. But the, but the authority of the level is so important. I mean, was it a DCF thing that made energy stop there? No. Was it a, you know, a, a, a enterprise value? But uh, no. It's largely technicals. Machines look at levels. You backed away. But the back away is not likely to carry that much further. Uh, we've given back five, six bucks on crude. Uh, energy is given back a third of the move. I would say it probably stops here and that sometimes things are just fair price. I would say energy stocks probably muddle back and fill for weeks and weeks and weeks. I would ask you, because Mel asked me, and apparently I didn't answer correctly because Tim jumped on me, but does this auger poorly if crude continues to go lower for the broader market? Um, again, I don't think that has so much. The, 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 the dream has been two things that you want to be in industrials and you want to be in financials and that energy is getting better, rates are going higher, synchronized global growth, tax cuts. And the reality is that none of that is really, the stocks are underperforming. Financials are underperforming, industrial underperforming, and energy's had a great run, but it's, it's due to rest. Carter, good to see you. Thanks, Thank guys. you. Um, Carter Braxtonworth, we'll see Carter, by the way, in just a bit on what? OA. Oh, yeah. I love that show. Yeah. 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 Quickly, um, what did you do OA. today, Tim? You know, I think banks are worth sniffing around. I, I nibbled on some city. Uh, again, I don't think banks were rewarded when the yield spiked up to 312 in the 10 years, much as they've been punished just in that differential on the way down. I, I just, are we in a deflationary environment suddenly? I, I don't think so. Um, and I think rates are still going higher. All right, coming up, Bitcoin gone bust this week. But blockchain capital Spencer Bogart says there's something the crypto world is missing about this sell-off. He'll tell us what that is. Plus, Disney's solo story premiering today, and one of the traders says the new Star Wars installment could give the stock the force it needs to get back its mojo. Mm. We are live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Bitcoin blues continue. Take a look at this chart. Bitcoin getting just wrecked this week, falling below 8,000, making that three straight weeks of losses, the longest losing streak since September 2017. But our next guest says traders are selling the wrong coins. Let's bring in Spencer Bogart, a blockchain capital partner. He's coming to us from San Francisco. Spencer, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me. So the one coin, the one coin out there you say is still a buy is Bitcoin. Why? And let me ask you this, too, because obviously you're speaking your book, so to speak. Is there any situation in which you would tell us that Bitcoin is not a buy? There you go. <laughs> I, I think it's mostly going to be a few years out. I mean, listen, if the story erodes and it's not there, then I, I'm not going to be bullish on Bitcoin. Right. But the long term thesis is very much intact. I mean, as for what's going to happen over the next couple of days, I don't know. But when I look out over the next year, two years, I mean, the story is very much materializing. Right. So the institutionalization of Bitcoin is absolutely occurring. That was very evident, I think, to anybody that was circulating around blockchain week in New York. 
every major bank is trying to do something in the space. Either they're going to be offering Bitcoin to their clients, they're working on a custody platform, or they're opening up a trading desk. So that's absolutely taking place. And then on the other side, again, there's currency crises happening on a regular basis around the world. So while we're pretty comfortable using the U.S. dollar on a daily basis and it works well, guess what? Next year there's going to be more currency crises. There's a few this year, and that continues. So if you're optimistic about the use cases and you cite these major banks um, building things on, on various platforms, I mean, those platforms are Ethereum, they're Ripple, they're Stellar. Those are in your hold categories amongst the crypto. I mean, longer term, do you like these coins? Because it seems like Listen, you're most bullish the use cases for these particular platforms. So I don't think necessarily any of the things that banks are doing are necessarily built on top of those platforms. I think largely it'll be offering some of those, those crypto assets to their clients. Um, you know, I think longer term, again, I, I would put most of the coins that are probably in the like number two to number seven range just as a neutral, just saying that, hey, listen, these could be going up significantly, but they also have significant headwind, right? Especially something like Ethereum, which again, I'm, I'm very constructive on on a long-term basis, but it has a lot of overhang because there's a lot of tokens. A lot of these ICOs have been built on top of Ethereum. And I think a lot of those tokens are overvalued. And ETH itself, the token of the Ethereum network, is used essentially as, as fuel to invest into these ICOs. So I think that'll present some headwinds to something like Ethereum. Hey, Spencer, so I've heard a couple times this year, or actually on many occasions this year, that um, if you've been in Bitcoin for years, okay, at least five or six years, you've seen 50, 60 percent sell-offs fairly routinely, at least once a year, that sort of thing. Is it different this time because the market cap is so much greater and there's so many more eyeballs on it? That's a great question. I'll tell you what's very different this time. In the past years when we've had these kind of drawdowns and I've talked to people within the industry, uh, media, everyone has kind of had this question of, is this the end of Bitcoin? And this is the first downturn where when I've tried to explain to people, hey, listen, Bitcoin's not going away. It's going to keep on keeping on. It was the first time that everybody's response was, no, of course, we know that. We know Bitcoin's not going away. And to me, that's a huge change. Hey, Spencer, it's Tim. I bet if you took the top 10 coins, um, you'd probably look at over the last month and, and have them all be down within, you know, plus or minus 5% of each other. In other words, I think the whole asset class is trading together. Um, what's the argument here that relative value really works? I, I, I'm not sure it does. Ha. I, I won't be the one that's going to make an argument that relative valuation makes sense in a giant bull market. Listen, that was what got us into a lot of trouble in the dot-com boom, and I think it's what's getting a lot of people into trouble here with this kind of ICO boom that happened in, in late 2017, early 2018. So, I mean, I think that even Bitcoin could face some headwinds here. Again, my horizon here, I'm talking about things, my minimum horizon is at least a year, right? So could Bitcoin trade lower? Certainly. But do I think it'll be higher a year from now? Absolutely. You know, Dan had mentioned the notion of this time perhaps may be different this time around. And I'm always leery of, of saying that about anything. But, you know, this time around, we do have futures. And it does seem to coincide with that top in Bitcoin that we saw in December. Do you think that that is playing a role in, in Bitcoin not bouncing back as sharply as it may have had in the past? Or do you think that sharp bounce back is still to come even with a deeper market because of the futures markets? I don't know about a sharp bounce back, but I, I do think it'll materialize. And I do think the futures markets and, and having deeper institutionalization of, of Bitcoin is overall positive. But listen, again, I think going back to our, our dot-com analogy again, you had a lot of people betting the farm on what is the next big dot-com. And I think we've seen a lot of people doing the same thing with a lot of these tokens and these ICOs. And that's a dangerous game. Please don't do that. Most of them are over-promising and under-delivering. Meanwhile, you have a few that are still kind of excelling at their use cases. Bitcoin being one of them. 
Uh, so what's your target now, Spencer? <laughs> Honestly, I don't publish price targets anymore. But listen, I'd say there's, I would bet that Bitcoin at least ends above 10K in the year. All right. Spencer, thank you. Spencer Bogart. Always good to speak with him. Uh, Thanks so much. Dan. You I totally like bogarted that interview. Okay. I'm going to tell you that right now. You know what that means? No, I don't. It means right. you stole it. Yeah. Oh. Pick the whole thing. All for yourself. Let me, let me ask you this, though. You, there is always a comparison to the Internet uh, boom yeah. and bust. Yeah. Is Bitcoin Yahoo? Or well, is Bitcoin Google? I, I don't think so. I think that when you think about, like, you know, Bitcoin and the use cases, it's got the biggest network effect, right? So think of it almost as a platform and think of this stuff like the Lightning Network that's being built out. And mm -hmm. Jack Dorsey just invested $25 million. That's to speed up the transactions. That's to make them cheaper, that sort of thing. So to me, I think it is very different. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just make the case here with Bitcoin. You know, this week alone, we've seen, like, Coinbase already announce all of these institutional custodian products and this and that. When the institutions finally get more clarity on, right. uh, on regulatory framework, I think the infrastructure is going to be there. And then that goes back to your question about futures. That's been vault dampening. That's probably not a bad thing that Bitcoin is not back above 15,000 or something like that. So I think once the demand comes back, there's going to be infrastructure. And then if there's clarity around regulation, right. that could set up the next real bull trade for Bitcoin. I, I totally agree. I, I totally agree with that. But he mentioned Ether and Ether being sort of like a hold for him for a little bit. I look at it and say he, he claims that a lot of those tokens are overvalued. I think the regulation has pushed those coins to a limit Lower, where they shouldn't be traded, actually could be undervalued, in my opinion, in a lot of cases. The ones that are actually, you know, consumer utility tokens. And I think there's a lot of them on the Ethereum platform. So I would be buying Ethereum here if, if I had to make a bet as far as uh, putting some capital to work. All right, still ahead. Bonds suddenly surging, seeing the best week in more than a year. And one of the traders says it could cause a world of pain for one key group of stocks. We've got the details. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. The rich are getting richer. And she stepped on the ball. And that's helping a number of high-end retailers. We'll give you the names that traders see going even higher. Plus, how would you like to make money if Disney shares go up, down, or nowhere at all? That's impossible! No, Luke, it's actually a simple trade. And we'll teach you how to do it when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Investors seeking some retail therapy this week as a number of names in the group soared on the back of earnings. Check out Tiffany's, Ralph Lauren, Foot Locker, and Lowe's seeing double-digit gains. So we thought now would be the perfect time to play a little trade it or fade it. Oh, I love this game. So let's right on. kick things off with uh, Tiffany's up 25% this week. Tim, trade it or fade it? Mel, I trade that one. I, I tell you what, those U.S. same-store sales, you know, most people think of this as an Asia luxury growth story. U.S. is killing it. New CEO, I think a lot of initiatives valuation not great but i tell you what they beat and they raised and i think there's a lot more to go that would be my yeah. one concern I'm in the stock almost line. now close to 27 times yeah. forward earnings that's that's a, that gives me a little bit of pause but they're, kill, yeah. they're killing it right now the tiffany's blue box just saying uh, Seabird gets Foot Locker. Trade it or fade it? So I'm fading it here. I think Foot Locker had a, a substantial move today. I mean, I think it was up 20% off these earnings. Look, they had a great quarter. I mean, absolute improvement, and that's, that's hands down. However, this has been a value story. There's a ton of value investors in this name right now. 
they're going to exit. This is the time when they take their, their foot off the accelerator or they actually peel out of this name. So I think there could be a little bit of a near-term pullback in the name just on that alone. You know what David did right there? Uh, quickly, wait, wait, wait. you know, he said take the foot off the accelerator. Then he realized yeah, he was talking back. about Foot Locker, and which is why he Correct. said peeled off. And he tried to make it smooth, smooth. but it didn't get past G. Yeah, Swizzle. And, and, and by the way, great job by Karen Feinerman. No, who's been on. Those comments would have been great if he was talking about GM or Ford. <laughs> nothing to do with Foot Locker. Can yeah, we have you, a comment about Locker. the stock itself? Here's Foot Locker. Here's a value here. play that turned that basically. 32. 32. Let's yeah, go. Um, bottom line is if you think about what's going on at Foot Locker, it's the same thing that's happened with multiple retail names where people yeah. left these people for dead, only to find, I mean, how many stories are there, including another one we're like about Best to name, Buy. but like Best Buy, like Macy's, where suddenly these guys were out of business. Foot Locker suddenly was, because was I don't with understand it. why you go to Foot Locker. Because Why you, just go to Nike because, or Reebok because or look, I want to try on those fresh new sleds and right. and just see how it feels. I think a lot of those are dead cat bounces. I think what Mel is saying is she'd rather own brands and aggregators. Of hundred percent, like the really, content. Yeah, I get, yeah. I get that. But what's Macy's? Macy's has gone from nineteen to thirty-five bucks, that's, and everybody thought it was fair. going out of business. Right. That's well, just because the stock goes one way doesn't mean the business has fundamentally changed. Exactly I mean, like started. this is a, this is about trading the stock, though, Dan. All right, no next up, Lowe's. Traded or faded, Dan? I think you faded. I mean, on Tuesday's show, right before the earnings, you know, they had that announcement about a new CEO. The stock gapped up massively, traded above 90, gave it all back and closed it like 86. And I think it was on the program. And I said, I really not going to see this stock above 95, which was its last earnings gap a few months ago, anytime soon. Well, it closed at 96 and a half. It happens every once in a while. Uh, but to me, I wouldn't chase it right here. Investors got really turned around in this story. I think you want this thing to digest a little bit. Ralph Lauren is the next stock. A guy is the next contestant. Trade it or fade it? Trade it. For the same reasons Tim mentioned, better valuations in Ralph Lauren. And I'll give you another one. The inventory was $760 million. That is down 3.8% year over year. What does that mean, Guy? I'm glad you asked, Mel. It means that margins are going to be better next quarter. Trade Ralph Lauren. All right. Well, as you all know out there, it is Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial start of summer. So in lieu of the final trade, the traders have picked four stocks that they say are the perfect summer sizzlers to kick off the long weekend. So, Tim, what's your summer pick? Summer sizzlers. Is it, is it safe to wear seersucker yet? Anyway. Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. I expect to see you. Uh, I'll be in. Um, IBB. Look, I think biotech is, is traded sideways for too long. These valuations are interesting. You're going to sizzle. Uh, 32. I like Doc Horton. D-H-I. I think this is a name you want to buy here. These home builders have been left for dead since rates were on the rise. I think they're by here. Dan, you're sizzling. All right, yeah. listen, guys, bud, red, white, and blue, you know, in a can, 16-ounce curls Made here. by Brazilians. This is the yeah. one. It's down 25%. Brazilian company. Trades cheap, 5%. What? It's a Brazilian company now. Brazilian, yeah. Shake Shack, and remember why Memorial Day is named that. Yes. Happy Memorial Day. Don't go anywhere. Options Action is back right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.